Good morning. All right, everybody's awake. I love it. My name is Paul Fleming. I'm one of the elders here at Genesis. I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about God is, and this morning we're going to talk about God is a giver. And as we talk about God as a giver, I want to make a declaration to you this morning. Ready? The gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger, more magnificent, and more glorious than you can imagine. Amen? We tend to have a simplistic view of that, right? We tend to have a simplistic view of the gospel. And many of us here, many of us understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And through belief in him and in his resurrection, and by committing to him as Lord of our lives, we can receive the gift of eternal life. So as new believers, right there, we should see God as a giver because he has given us eternal life. And he's also a giver of good things to those of us who are his children. So I became a believer in Jesus Christ when I was 28 years old. And before that, I couldn't even imagine uh, anything about God other than God was this distant king in the sky I could certainly have no conception of God as a giver, someone that would help me. So as I became a believer, I was very fortunate that at the same time, my wife Patty also gave her life to the Lord at the same time as me. And so in my first five or six years of my Christian walk, I had a hard time believing that God would particularly want to bless me, that he would be a giver to me. I was secure in my salvation, definitely, but I was pretty sure that God didn't want to bless me. After all, who am I, really? Patty, however, she grew up Catholic, and when she was younger, she went to church every Sunday, and so God already knew her, right, even before she was a believer. And besides that, she was probably one of the nicest people you would ever meet. So, of course, I reckon that any blessing that I received was an overflow from being around Patty, because God was surely blessing Patty like crazy. How twisted is that, right? But it was probably around year seven of my walk with God that I started to realize, hey, maybe God wants to bless me after all, and things started to change. And looking back on that, I mentioned to Patty last week all about this, and she said, you know, I had the same thing. While you were thinking that, she said, I really thought only the blessings I got were an overflow from what God was giving you. (laughs) I'm like, wow, it's a good thing we have each other. (laughs) So my heart for you all today is this, God has more to give you than you can ever imagine. So considering the gospel again, we see that God is a giver of eternal life, right? Or put another way, God has given us entry into the kingdom of heaven. God has given us his gift of eternal life, but that's kind of hard to put your finger on. Because this gift of eternal life, it's, it's out in the future, and we will only attain that at some time way out in the future. We can't see it, but we have it. How do we really know that we have eternal life? Well, as new believers, we have this other gift 
that God has given us. God has blessed us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is also known as the comforter or the counselor. And as we become believers, this Holy Spirit comes and lives within our heart. He becomes a part of us. When we receive Jesus as Lord, he enters into our hearts. I was a natural man, body and soul, as I became a believer in Jesus Christ. I became a child of God, now body, soul, and spirit. And by this gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness to our very core that we are, in fact, children of God. And we know that we know that we know that there is one true God and we will be with him forever. That's in Romans 8. So yes, that is the gospel. But it doesn't stop there even. It just keeps getting bigger because God has more to give you than you can possibly imagine. So let's dive a little bit more into this truth that God is a giver. Let's consider that the gospel, the gift of eternal life and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the gospel is a doorway to a life that is full of truth and power that fills us with the courage and the boldness to live a life of adventure that is filled with awe and wonder. Sounds good, right? And a life that is filled with awe and wonder is a life that is filled with worship. Amen? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. But remember, we said, just said the gospel is a doorway. Consider this next verse. Jesus says, I am what? The door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. God has more to give you than you can possibly imagine. Take a look at this verse from 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. God lavishes upon us. And too often we don't begin to understand the fullness of this. Or even if we do understand it in principle, we find that we're unwilling to receive what God has for us. So let's look at an example in the Word of God of this construct here. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, we find that King Ahaz is the king of Judah. Now, Judah was the tribe of Israel that Jesus would come from. The kingdom of Judah was in the south. The kingdom of Israel or Ephraim was in the north. And these two kingdoms were constantly in conflict with one another. In this case, King Ahaz finds out that the kingdom of Israel is allying with uh, Syria and they are planning to attack Judah. And this fills Ahaz and his people with fear. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says that Ahaz and his people trembled with fear as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Should Ahaz be scared? Should King Ahaz be scared? Absolutely. <laughs> I would be scared. 
they could probably defend themselves against the kingdom of Judah, but the Syrians, they are fierce. They're ruthless. The Syrians are powerfully destructive. And so King Ahaz and his people are horribly afraid. But yet at the direction of the Lord, Isaiah comes to encourage and to strengthen King Ahaz. And Isaiah says to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two burnt out embers. In other words, they're nothing, don't worry about it. And about the impending attack, Isaiah gets a little bit more forceful and he says, Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. This should be an amazing comfort to King Ahaz, that God will protect Judah and that this attack is not even going to happen. And then on top of that, to provide confirmation of this prophecy, Isaiah offers to Ahaz to ask for a sign. He says, ask for anything, ask for any sign from the depths of the grave to as high as the heavens, ask for anything. And Ahaz's response is a little bit baffling. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Really? God says, ask for anything, and you're going to take a pass? Wow. King Ahaz ignores God's request of him to be faithful, to trust him in the promise of protection and deliverance. Ahaz completely ignores that. And later, Ahaz decides to move in his own wisdom, in his own strength, and he makes an alliance with another nation to provide protection for the king of Judah. For, for the nation of Judah. But this happens at the cost of servitude. The new ally, this new nation, does protect the kingdom of Judah, but they become an oppressor that puts the kingdom of Judah into servitude to them. And it would be a hundred years, a hundred years before a faithful king was raised up to obey God and to be faithful and that this new king would bring freedom to Judah. A hundred years they were in servitude. How many of us are prone to walk in the path of King Ahaz? We completely ignore God's promises, and we don't, wisdom, we don't witness God's awesome power in our lives. You see, God is a giver, and he has so much more to give you than you can possibly imagine. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 16, Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? And after Peter confesses, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus is so excited. And among other things that he said to Peter, he said this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is for you, Peter. Jesus is promising Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Eternal life is a promise in the distance, but the kingdom of heaven is a now promise. 
God is standing by. He's ready to pour out his promises and to pour out his gifts to those who enter his kingdom. So when we consider this, we can ask ourselves, how, how are we doing with that? Well, let's consider an example. Picture this. You have a friend that has always dreamed of going to Disney World. But the cost to travel there and the cost to stay there are, are just way over the top. Never mind the cost of the entry pass into the park. It's just too much, and this friend has never been able to afford and may never be able to afford this trip to Disney World. So you love your friend. So you save up to send her on an all-expenses-paid trip to Orlando, Florida, complete with a one-week, all-inclusive VIP pass to Disney World. Everything is included. She receives this. She's incredibly grateful and very excited to go. And off she goes to Disney World for a week. And next thing you know, there's Instagram pictures of Mickey, and there's pictures of Main Street, and all week you're watching this. She's, she's so excited. You can't wait to hear all the stories of everything that's happened to her at Disney World. So later, she comes back, and when she returns, you ask her, well, how, how did it go? How were things? And she says, oh, it was wonderful. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Just the thrill of walking it up to the Magic Kingdom, showing my pass and gaining entry into the kingdom and seeing everything that was there. It was amazing, beautiful, exciting, on on and on and on. So you ask, well, how was the VIP tour guide? I didn't want you to be alone for a week, so I I had this VIP tour guide that would show you everything, tell you everything, all the ins and outs. How, How did that go? She says, well... I saw the option for the guide, but I didn't want to be a bother. And besides, the gift already was a bit overwhelming, and I didn't really feel like I was worthy for the VIP treatment. Oh, that's too bad, you say, but how'd you like the rides? He says, well, I didn't go on any rides because some of them looked pretty scary, and and the lines were long at all the rides, so I, I didn't go on any rides. So the rides were scary? Like, this park is designed for children. How scary can it be? And besides, I gave you a VIP pass. It has a fast pass. You could skip all the lines. You could have gone right to the front of the lines. She says, oh, um, I, didn't, I didn't know about the fast pass. Well, okay, that's too bad, you say. But, well, what about the other parks? If you're there for a week, you could see Epcot and Animal Kingdom. And what about the restaurants? There's great restaurants there. She said, well, um, I didn't realize all of that was included in the VIP pass, too. I spent every day just walking around the Magic Kingdom, and it was great. I loved it. It was fantastic. Oh. Well, I think we could all realize that this is kind of a ridiculous outcome. Our friend seemed happy enough to be in the Magic Kingdom and walk around and just to be there. But even though she could see that there was more she chose not to pursue the fullness and the richness of the experience that was right there in front of her, that was available to her. I'm going to repeat that again. Even though she could see that there was more, 
She chose not to pursue the fullness and the richness of the experience that was available to her. Of course, we wouldn't be like that. Every one of us would be researching for months ahead of time, trying to maximize every hour, planning every ride that we're going to go on, get in the most rides, and of course, every one of us would be booking breakfast with Cinderella. Am I right? We've been given the keys to God's kingdom. And honestly, if Disney's magic kingdom is awesome, how much more awesome is God's kingdom? Let's do a silly comparison between the two. So just work with me here. So in, in the magic kingdom, the friend had the option for the VIP guide, which is like 500 bucks an hour, by the way. It's true. That's kind of a corollary to the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God, right? who guides us in all things. And the rides in the park are kind of a metaphor for the adventures that God has for us in walking with him. I know that's kind of silly, but I just, you know, there's an interesting comparison. We can all agree that God's kingdom is so much more awesome than Disney's magic kingdom, as nice as it is. And why? Because God has more to give you than you could ever imagine. God has not only given us the keys or the entry into the kingdom of God, but he's given us the equivalent of a VIP pass. God didn't just offer the keys of the kingdom to Peter. This is a promise to all believers, every one of us. There's a question, how many of us have entered into the kingdom of God and we're so happy to be here that we never even really moved past the metaphorical entry gate? We're in, it's great, We're here, we're here at church, we're worshiping, everything's great, and I have friends here, all of you are my friends, it's great. Hey, what more is there? And my response to you is this, more than you could ever know or ask for. Isaiah said to King I, I, Isaiah said to King Ahaz, ask for any sign as high as the heavens, because in reality you can't even imagine the depths or the heights of God's goodness. I'm going to give you a short list of some of the things that God has given us, some promises and some of the gifts that He's given us. He's given us the word of truth. His word, his written word. He's given us all authority in the name of Jesus. He's given us the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith, miracles, healing, word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the ability to discern spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, the gift of prophecy. And what about the gift of grace, redemption, freedom in Christ, power from on high? I could go on for days with a list of God's promises and the wonderful things that he's given us. But there are two things not to be missed with God as a giver. And the first one is we have a VIP guide. We have the Holy Spirit with us who knows all things and is just ready and willing to reveal all things to us as we need them. And the second thing is that God has a life of adventure 
waiting for us. For me, I love having a VIP guide. I love walking with the Holy Spirit. I have a story or two. And here's one I want to share with you. I work in a typical office building up in Wakefield. Our company is one of dozens that are in this building, so it's just a a building with a lot of different companies in it. And down the hall from my uh, office was the regional offices of Anheuser-Busch, the guys who make Budweiser beer. Um, I was working next to sinners. (laughs) But occasionally I would see this man who worked at Budweiser, probably in his late 30s, and he was really different than me. I wouldn't see him that often. I think he traveled a lot. I'd see him maybe once a month. I would just see him in the hallways. And I won't go into details, but it was pretty clear that this guy and me would not have too much in common. And so for six years, I saw him around the building, and I never really spoke with him. You know, maybe one of these in the hallway. That was it. So then one day... The Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he says, Paul, I want you to hang out with him. I was like, "Uh, Lord, I hear you, but I would rather not. Thank you very much. Seriously. Uh, I don't know if you have these conversations like this with God. So um, over the next few days, (laughs) I see him like every day. I'm like, Lord, really? You're going to do this? Is this how it's going to go? But every time I saw him, I had an excuse. Something like, Lord, I refuse to speak to him in the men's room. Not going to happen. So finally, a few days later, God puts the two of us in the elevator alone. Like, huh. Little pressure, okay, I got it. I'm sweating bullets because I know what God wants me to do. I don't say a word the whole ride down. And when the elevator opens up, we get out. And he starts to walk away. And I'm like, this is it. I say, excuse me, uh, can I speak to you for a second? He turns around, says, sure. I say, you know, I've seen you around for like the last six or seven years, and we work on the same floor together, and we've never really spoken to each other, and you seem like a really nice guy, and this is going to sound weird to you, I know, but I would love to grab coffee with you, and I'd love to hear your story. And then there's this long pause. You know, the three seconds, that's like three minutes. My stomach is here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, just, you know. And this guy, his name's Anthony, generates the biggest smile that he could probably put on his face. Ear-to-ear smile. He says, sure, I would love that. Thank you. I was like, all right. Well, here's my card. Let's meet for lunch. And now I have a friend. I know about him, and he knows about me, and he's not a believer, but he knows that I serve the God of creation. 
Budweiser moved their offices recently, and Anthony was laid off. And I was able to help him get a job in my industry. So that was really cool. I haven't seen him for a while, but I miss him, and I hope to see him again soon. God has more to give you than you can possibly imagine. So it leads me to another question. If God is a giver, then why are we not receiving? Here are the few main reasons that we are not receiving God's gifts and promises. These are the things that make us more like King Ahaz and less like King David who couldn't get enough of God. The first one is we don't ask. Jesus said in John 14, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in James chapter 4, it says, the reality, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Like King Ahaz, we don't, don't even ask. Another reason is that we don't feel like we're worthy. When I was a young Christian, I totally missed it. I felt that I wasn't worthy to receive from God. I felt that I was only worthy to receive the crumbs of the blessings that fell from the overflow that was on my wife, Patty. That's how I felt. But feelings are not truth. The truth is that God has to more to give you than you can possibly imagine. The truth is that you have been offered a seat of honor at a glorious feast. God is inviting you to sit with him at this table and to partake of the amazing offerings that he has for you at his table. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not look and see that the Lord is good. It's taste. Don't just look, taste Experience it, partake of what he has for you. Second Peter 1 says that we are partakers of the divine nature. We are to experience the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but somehow we feel we're not worthy. Another reason is that we're afraid. To sit in the presence of God elicits fear in some of us, and I understand that. And for others, we're afraid to hear God's voice because we're afraid to hear what God will tell us or we're afraid that God is going to ask us to do something crazy like talk to the guy down the hall. Another reason is that we just love the things of the world. It could be an unhealthy passion for riches, got to have the big house, got to have the fancy car. It could be just other idols in our lives. But whatever the reasons that we don't receive from God, all of these things, all of these roads lead to closed fists. All right? We have closed fists. If we're holding on to the things of the world, we'll feel like we're losing out if we receive from God. Isn't that crazy? Our fists are so tightly closed onto the things that we desire, and we believe if we open our hands and receive from God, these things that we're clinging to will fall away. And there are just too many things that we hold on to that hinder our relationship with God and thus hinder us receiving from God. 
God has so many beautiful and wonderful gifts that he's just waiting and willing to pour out on you. He's so generous. Wisdom, strength and courage, gifts of the spirit, boldness, the list is inexhaustible. So this morning, if one of the things that is keeping you from receiving from God is fear or not feeling worthy or loving the things that you shouldn't love, then you need to repent because repentance leads to open hands and open hands lead to worship. Amen?